Live and in color from the NBC News Radio Broadcasting Studios of KCAA, 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM, located in beautiful Southern California and in parallel from the Turfs Up Radio Studio in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Thanks for tuning in to the Water Zone Show this evening. And a pleasant good afternoon and evening to everybody. Welcome to the Water Zone with uh, Chris Davey and myself, Rob Starr. I hope everybody's having a great week. Um, around the country, and I know it's beautiful out here in Arizona. I understand it's the same way in California. Is that right, Mr. Davey? It is, but we're in for some weather, buddy. I mean, it got pretty cool today in the mid-60s, which is which is a little bit below normal, and tonight, uh, possible uh, showers. Wow. Now it's 85 and sunny here, and I know tomorrow it's just going to be windy, but uh, forecast is still clean and clear and uh, wonderful things, so. We can enjoy. Yep. I, yep, I agree. Up in the up in the mountains of California, though, some significant precip in uh, central and northern California, including snow uh, in the mountains. Good for the ski areas because uh, Mammoth got has gotten twenty to twenty two inches already, and expecting another six to eight. Wow, that's that's amazing. I would I would think in in getting close to spring here, it's not going to be as great for skiing, but I guess it is. So. I'm, I'm sure they're all happy to get some extra weeks in, uh, into the season for them. Yeah, I hope so. But, you know, as they say, uh, Rob, one small storm like this does not uh, is not a drought killer. So, hey, maybe when we get uh, Chris Austin on in a couple minutes here, I, I know she's going to talk about drought, drought, and more drought. So. <laughs> that, is, that is true. Hey, uh, you know, every I, – I know we signed up for a lot of stuff from different water agencies, but – in yep. the last few weeks, I've been getting uh, inundated with stuff from your city, talking yep. about talking about Earth Day month and all that. What what's going on up there in Claremont? I mean, I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Claremont. You know, we're we're very we're a conservative town for sure. Everybody in here is into conservation, and and you see it every day. But I mean, it's in celebration of Earth Day, right? Which is tomorrow, April twenty second. It's always that day. We all. Also known as uh, Gaylord Nelson Appreciation Day, Gaylord Nelson was the U.S. senator that that started um, Earth Day. I don't know. I don't know if you know much about it, Rob. But he's no, really, no. it's uh, yeah. So it was started in in 1970, actually a long time ago, 52 years ago, right? And it really marked the anniversary of what now is we understand is the birth of the modern environmental movement, if you will, right? That's a, that, that's what it is today. Because back then, remember, there was no EPA in 1970, Rob. There was, there was no Clean Air Act. There was no Clean Water Act. There was very little, if any, legal or, or regulatory mechanisms in place to protect the environment. So in 1970, this Senator Gaylord Nelson created um, Earth Day, kind of a way to force issues of conservation and and uh, issues like that into the um, national agenda. So, I mean, it's a good deal, right? Every year it's celebrated now. It's um, 52 years old, a ton of wider uh, of, uh, events that support it all over the globe. They've even got their own website now called earthday.org. So if the listeners want to go take a look at that. But more than a billion people celebrate it now, 193 uh, countries. And if you look on the website, which which I just did, of course, the official 2022 theme is invest in our planet. So good thing. Yeah, it, it is. And you know, you and I used to go up and do the shows uh, for them on on uh, on their Earth Days and things, and that was a, that was always a big deal. 
it was a lot of fun. And they, but they, as you know, Rob, we haven't done it the last couple of years because of uh, COVID. Yeah. Um, but they're starting it up again. So you want me to talk to somebody there and have you taken off the uh, mailing list? <laughs> no, because they, they still owe us for the time they demanded that all exhibitors had to buy a fire extinguisher. Remember that? Oh, good grief. Yes, I do. That was crazy, wasn't it? And, and I went out and bought one because I had to a special one. And then when we got there, there was only one other booth out of 100 booths that had one. And the fire department yeah. didn't even care. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they didn't care. I remember that, Rob. Distinctly uh, remember that. <laughs> that was that was, a, that was an amazing day. So anyway, well, let's, let's see. Miss Chris Austin should be in with us now. Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you guys doing? Would be fine. Hey, good. Good to hear it. Yeah, it's raining up here. We got, uh, you know, up here in Northern California, situated between California's two largest reservoirs. Uh, we've had some rain the last couple of days, actual measurable rain. Uh, had some thunderstorms earlier this afternoon. Apparently, there's been some small tornadoes down south of me. We haven't really seen anything like that up here, but the winds do kick up. But uh, yeah, and this this is putting some more water in the reservoir. But, you know, as they, as you guys pointed out, it's not ending the drought, but it sure is welcome and it sure is helpful, no doubt. So. Wow. What's the future going to bring us? Because I know there's you're talking about April showers, but it's really not going to do a whole lot. No, and what's going to happen next is that, uh, you know, it's going to get warm again. I believe this weekend is getting quite toasty, uh, warm. So hopefully, you know, that doesn't mean flooding from, you know, a lot of snow melt too fast. Well, we'll hope for the best. Uh, but, yeah, it seems to be you know, this weather whiplash that we're getting. It's cold, and then it's hot, and, you know, and then it rains, and then it's hot, you know. So we'll we'll see what happens from here. Um, but, it, but any precipitation is putting something into the reservoirs, and that's more than what we had last week. So that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Yeah, and helping the bay. And and helping the landscape too, the vegetation, you know, kind of put off the wildfire season for a little bit longer. It's all good. Wow. There are a couple of strange things happened this week. I was reading on your blog, Chris. <laughs> what, um, what was the strangest thing that happened? Well, the strangest thing, it's not a California story, I, I will say right. this, but uh, but it, it's entertaining anyway. They, uh, a station back in North Carolina did a fact check on uh, because uh, there's been a conspiracy theory circulating out there that there's cobra venom in the water supply. Um, and this sort of came from, you know, a video where somebody talked to a retired chiropractor and he had a theory that the CDC has planted king cobra venom in COVID-19 vaccines and the water supply in order to transfer satanic DNA. Yes, satanic DNA <laughs> to unsuspecting people. Uh, so, you know... 
they're they're kind of going through and just sort of saying that this is kind of not really something you have to be worried about. It 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 always cracks me up some of these conspiracy theories. You know, if someone's going to poison the water supply by dumping something into a reservoir or a, can- a canal, they're going to have to dump in a whole lot. I mean, you just can't put like, you know, toss in one thing. And then all the water that comes out of these canals goes through a drinking water treatment plant. So, you know, if you people were doing this, it's not likely to, you know, uh, to be a problem. Cyber attacks are, are something that, you know, everyone should be worried about, especially cyber attacks on utility systems, because they're not necessarily uh, the most up-to-date com- computer-wise. Uh, so they they are, can be vulnerable to being hacked and things can happen. Uh, you know, that's something to be worried about. But yeah, if if uh, you're hearing that there's King Cobra venom in your water supply, uh, you can, uh, you know, rest easy. <laughs> it's not there. Well, well we just love those. I know. It's, uh, it, it, it's weird what gets our attention, right? It's sensationalism, if you will. Rob, I know that you've been You've got a particular concern about the vulnerability of of um, the water supply, not just here in California, but but, but everywhere world worldwide. What would what was your reaction when you heard that story from Chris? Well, at first time, you know, you think about it, and because there's crazy people all over who could do stuff. I mean, I, I know stories that uh, my my daughter had told me from the FBI where they worried about. Uh, I, I know the water agencies test their water and everything else, but you could take a small little uh, battery-powered airplane, you know, model airplane, fill it, you know, fill it some little test tubes with seraphim or whatever and just dump it somewhere. And it's undetectable. I mean, you won't see the little plane flying over. It's not like a big, gigantic, uh, you know, <laughs> a real plane. But there's that. Right. And, and, and that's 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 a danger. I know everybody worries about the cyber attacks. That's, that's you know, that's the main thing they're looking at, but they're not looking at the other stuff that much. Yes, they test the water several times a day, but you never know. Yeah, yeah I I don't know. I I I just think that the chances of that, I guess, you know, happening uh are are I, I don't that's not something I lose sleep over. Let's just say let's just say that. And I think anything, you know, like the scenario you just described could be something that could be pulled off by, uh, you know, a, a, just a handful of people. But my personal belief on conspiracy theories is that if it takes more than a handful, I'm not even sure you get five, but it takes more than, than a handful of people to have to keep their mouth shut for it to happen. I, I just don't believe it. I just don't believe it. Because I've asked you this. How many times have you told something to someone in confidence and told them not to tell anybody and they tell it somebody? You know, (laughs) raise your hand if that has never happened to you. So, you know, why why would we think that anyone's going to keep their mouth shut, especially when they could potentially earn thousands, tens of thousands of dollars to sell their story? So... I don't believe much in conspiracy theories, and I don't think our government is that uh, 
well-coordinated to pull such things off. But, you know, that's just the way I, I view things. Everyone can have their own opinion. So. No, that's right. That's right. It's it's just a little scary thinking about stuff that people can do. I mean, look at, look at the guy who uh, in Brooklyn who shot shot people on a on a on a subway, and uh, you know you just read about all these things every single weekend or people who do just ridiculous, terrifying, horrific things, and you know they could they could do worse than what they just did. <laughs> well, oh yeah, I mean no no doubt, but but you got to live. And, yep. you know, I, I think the way to do things is to take reasonable precautions. Don't take stupid chances, but be reasonable in how you protect yourself. But if someone's dead set on doing something terrible, uh, a lot of times there's not a whole lot you're going to be able to do about it. You know, if somebody wants to break into your house bad enough, then you're not the security systems and and all aren't going to keep them out. If they're determined, they're going to get in. So, you know, hopefully that doesn't happen. But, yeah. you know, hey, we're not talking about water, and we need to get back to water. Well, yep, you're right, right. Well, it has to do with – you're right, but it still has to do with water because water's, water's in the equation no matter how you look at it. I mean, you, oh. know, last, you know, last week we had on our show uh, Peter Glick, and, you know, he talked about conflict and water and – and what that happens, and so there is a there is a danger for that. But anyway, we'll we'll move on. I, I agree with that. So I, I hear a lot of stuff happening now that there's some radical plans that California is for defining uh, or to defend homes from sea level rise. Oh yeah, this is this is a really hard one, and you know some of it is in the terms of messaging, you know. People don't like to hear, you know, managed retreat. And so there's there's an article in there today saying that maybe we need to call it something different. But uh, sea level rise is just, um, it, it's really controversial, especially for those people that are living down on the coast. If you have, you know, a, a beachfront house, it's really hard, I think, for you to hear that, you know, your house is going to be underwater and, you know, there's not going to do anything about it. Uh, but we can't armor our entire coast, you know, yeah. and we're going to have to do something. And where we don't do anything, those houses literally have fallen off the fallen off the coast. Uh, I think there's a the story up above, I think, was in the New York Times or a new New York magazine perhaps, but it shows like these they had a row of like I think fourteen houses there on a cliff overlooking overlooking the ocean and like only two are left. Right. You know, um I, I think it's sea level rise is really hard. It's hard for people to understand, hard for people to wrap their their mind around and uh how to address it is is really controversial. But we just can't keep building seawalls, you know, hard, hard, hard walls to the ocean. You know, there, there's a lot of work going on in the Bay Area where they're trying to figure out areas in which they can accommodate sea level rise. Because, you know, the Bay is connected to the ocean and the Bay has tides and the tides are going to come up and 
you know, and land's going to be flooded. So they're, you know, they're working on, uh, you know, figuring out how to build marshes, you know, because marshes provide the habitat for the species that we care about. So they're trying to figure out how they can build sustaining marshes. Now, the hard part is that uh, the Bay Area is very uh, developed, and there's not a lot of open spaces down by the water. So, right. um, you know, so th it, that part's a little bit challenging. Uh, the one part about sea level rise that they really haven't come to terms with is, um, you know, their sea level rise in the, the way that the waves come in. At high tide, they're going to come in. They're going to encroach further onto the land. They're going to move further up. Um, that's one aspect of it. But the other aspect is, you know, there's groundwater, and the groundwater and the ocean, they are connected. And so as the sea level rises, it's going to press on the groundwater aquifer, and it's going to start pushing up water in the low-lying areas in the Bay Area, the ones that are already prone to flooding. Uh, you know, the Bay Area, in a lot of areas, the water table is uh, not far from the ground already uh it's not it's not uh, water that's drinkable so it's not being pumped for you know for municipal water supply the the water there is you know a lot of times there's contamination issues too especially in the lower lying areas because that's sort of where industry has been and and so uh the the real concern is that the groundwater is going to start pushing up uh behind the levees uh, and start destabilizing infrastructure, you know, your overpasses, uh, the utility vaults in the streets and the swimming pools that will pop up. Uh, you know, there's just a, a lot of the, the potential for a lot of things to happen is, is really uh, quite significant. But how they're going to deal with that, I, I don't know. And no one has a plan. Now, I don't know what plan you could have for that, uh, but there isn't one right now. So, you know, it's well, going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. That's true. But, you know, with all the dry weather forecasts that's coming in for, you know, it, it looks like there's going to be higher food prices and, and billions of dollars in farm losses coming up, not only for California, but pretty much all over the country. Yeah, uh, you know, th there's just no water for uh, the farmers this year. Uh, they Almost all of them have been told, all of the farmers that have surface water rights, you know, rights to water that is in the rivers and streams and the reservoirs, uh, most of them have been told they're getting no water, zero. And the water that's in the reservoirs is, you know, going to be going for health and safety purposes, you know, to communities that need a water supply. Uh, and it'll be a basic amount uh, that they will get, uh, but it's, you know, it's only health and safety. They're not going to be irrigating farmland. And um, that's a big deal. It's a big deal for the farmers because, you know, th th this is their livelihood. They grow food, and they need water to grow that food, and without the water, uh, that's a problem. And it means 
bad news for the farm workers that are living there that already don't make a lot of money and are going to be really struggling this year. Um, and, uh, you know, the the problem is there's just not enough water to go around and we're going to have to start making adjustments. But these are very painful adjustments. Um, well, this is not easy. You also got after the wildfire issues. You know, all these scorched trees, they can disrupt all the all the different districts' water supplies. And that add, adding that to the drought is going to be even worse. Yeah, yeah, and you know, not having a lot of precipitation means that the problems are going to stick around for a while. Although you know, it's never good to have this stuff washing down the system. But yeah, you know, there's a there's a lot of ways. Uh, about managing our forests that we just need to do better at. Uh, and it's really important to support the upper watershed. And this is something that we, we really need the taxpayers to uh, be supportive of because we need the state money to do this. Um, and, and we do need to manage our upper watersheds better because when all that stuff washes into the water and it goes down to the treatment plant, it increases the cost that people have to pay to get that water cleaned up. Um, you know, the, the most inexpensive way to deal with pollution is to prevent it from happening in the first place. Right. So if we can be, take better care of our upper watershed, meaning our forests and, uh, you know, the forested landscapes here, then, uh, you know, this, that's a win-win. Um, and, you know, California has a budget. We have things planned for that. We'll see, you know, we'll see how that happens. But um, it's an important aspect of our water supply. Yeah, with every, everything going up in price and, and, and the drought, I mean, so we're, in, we're in for a – it's yeah. not going to be a quick thing to fix. I mean, no, it's not. Yeah long term right now with everything going the way it's going kind of kind of scary but yeah and you know the farmers are you know they they do an important job for us they provide our food supply it's why you know we can be here in our cities and go to the store and get what we need is because you know there's people out there in the fields and they're doing what they what you know what we need them to do you know the problem is there's just not enough water to go around and we're going to have to make some hard decisions, but we still need farms, farmers in the state. You know, we still need to have that production for us and for the nation. You know? Yeah. And actually the world, because we ship, we ship a lot of stuff like alfalfa goes to a lot of places in, in uh, the mid East from here, almonds, Things of that sort, you know. That, yeah, yeah. Now, now you're getting into the the controversial stuff because people say, "Oh, you're shipping alfalfa overseas. You're shipping water overseas." <laughs> well, yeah, that's a conversation for another day. Oh, absolutely. I, I wasn't trying to make it contentious, but no, know, I know. I just, that, I just that, had to point that out. No, no, you're absolutely, you're absolutely correct. But it's, you know, people, people don't realize that, or a lot of people don't realize that. And uh, it gets to be a big discussion. So anything else worthwhile that's uh, bothering you this week on water issues in California that we should all know about? Well, you know, it, it just doesn't seem like the drought is taking hold in the public consciousness very much. 
Uh, I've been actually surprised the state has been, you know, they have leaders going out and going to all these different places. Uh, you know, they're in, they're in the Coachella Valley. They're, uh, we're in LA. They were in Sacramento. Um, and it's hardly making the news. Uh, it's, I really don't get the sense that uh, the population is catching on. And, uh, you know, this is this is only going to get worse. As a matter of fact, what's going to be in tomorrow's Daily Digest is how uh, one of these uh, municipal water districts in the Bay Area is going to have to really crack down and, you know, with fines and, you know, strict restrictions on water use because they just don't have the water. And, right. you know, it's going to be a tough, tough summer. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got to I got to be smart about how we use water. So, well, Chris, thank you very much for joining us as you always do. We do appreciate getting the latest and greatest news of what's happening uh, in California. And for those listeners out there, you can go to mavensnotebook.com, become a subscriber, uh become a sponsor. It's a great way to get uh, every single morning the the latest in California water news that you don't hear on television or any place else because Chris is, Chris gets the scoop first. And we appreciate that when she and she speaks, everybody listens. So we appreciate that. Chris, thank you very much for joining us, and we'll we'll be with you next week as well. All right. Good night, everybody. Good evening. Good evening. All right. We're going to take a little break, commercial break, and then uh, we'll be back with our featured guests. And we have uh, at least four of them that I see here on my uh, on my screen. And uh, we should have a great conversation about how a city is fighting against wasting water and what a great job they've done and some of the projects and people they're involved with. So stick around for the second half. We'll be right back. This is 1050 AM KCAA Loma Linda and 106.5 FM Yucaipa. Satisfying your customers, it's a full-time job. Want an easy way to make them happy? Try having your ornamentals delivered straight to the job site with Nursery Direct. Could save you and your clients a pretty peony. Think about it, instead of driving to the nearest nursery, picking up the order, and then driving to the job site, the crew's able to begin work right away. That cuts time and labor. Savings you can pass on to your customers, and you can get your plants delivered direct, even if you don't have a nursery branch in your area. Here's another quick tip. Keep a substitutions list on standby for every project so your team knows what to do in case a plant isn't in stock because there's nothing customers appreciate more than a project that finishes on time and on budget. They love you. They really love you. Aww. Are you presently part of the irrigation industry as a worker or business owner? Do you want to learn how you and your staff can boost your knowledge and productivity? then you should check out Irrigator Technical Training School. Irrigator Tech is the leading source of quality instruction serving all facets of the irrigation industry. Their courses provide a basic, easy to understand approach that raises the skill level, competency, and professionalism of landscape and irrigation personnel through practical education and services. Irrigator Tech combines classroom and real life hands-on training leading to a well-recognized certification that both customers and employers demand. Irrigator Tech specialized courses can help you quickly become a certified irrigation auditor or a certified installer, repair, maintenance, or backflow technician, 
Courses also include certificates in smart water application or becoming a certified tree worker. Most importantly, all certifications are state recognized and Irrigator Tech offers annual renewal classes to help keep your certification up to date. So whether you work in California, Washington, Oregon, Nevada, or Arizona, there's an Irrigator Tech class near you. For more information on how to jumpstart your career, call Irrigator Tech toll-free 866-614-1755 or visit them on the web at irrigatortech.com. That's toll-free 866-614-1755 and on the web at irrigatortech.com. KCAA Loma Linda. All right, so welcome back to the second half of the Water Zone Show. And if anybody has heard us in, in the commercial, we were live, and our guests are live. And I guess they didn't realize that as they were talking, but no problem. We got everybody here, I believe. And we have a, a, a myriad of illustrious guests for our shows. If somebody has their radio on in the background, if they can turn that down, if we're getting some feedback from that. And um, so, so we have people from... Uh, uh, Municipal Water District of Orange County, Ms. Tiffany Baca. We have Mr. Steve Creech, who is president of the Weiland Foundation. We have uh, Mayor Treetaw, who's from the uh, mayor of City of Westminster, California. And we also have a, a nice gentleman named Scott Miller, who's the water superintendent for the City of Westminster. So all of you people, welcome to the Water Zone. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you, Rob. Great. Hi. Uh, that's okay. Uh, radio is kind of a fun thing, and we're, Chris and I are on a video link, so we can see Chris and I can see each other when we're talking. Because part of the problem when you do shows remote is we're not at the studio today, and uh, so when 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 I want to ask a question and and I, I want uh, Chris to know about it, I just look at him and say, "Hey, you know." But since we're you know since we're remote, we got to do it all by video. I, unfortunately, you guys are not tied into our video link, so. But anyway. We had a there was a great event that I participated in a couple of weeks ago in the city of Westminster. And what I want to do is start it off with uh, Miss Tiffany Baca, and then I want to bring Mr. Creech on and lead up to what his organization does, mm -hmm. and then get into the stuff with the the mayor and uh, Mr. Miller. So Tiffany, tell us about the event we had on April first. Oh my goodness, uh, such an exciting event and a long time coming. I, I'm sure I can speak with everybody on the uh, phone on the call today that can attest to that. In 2018, the city of Westminster won the national, uh, the Wineland National Mayor's Challenge for Water Conservation, and it was a huge deal. Um, they collected over 9,500 pledges, and those pledges added up to save approximately 38 million gallons of water. Not only did they win the national challenge, but we began a partnership with the Wyland Foundation several years ago to offer Orange County residents a breakaway competition, right? They, they were having such success with the national challenge, and we truly are just such great partners. We really kind of brainstormed, how can we make this better? How can we get our Orange County residents and businesses to pay attention and participate? And so we developed this breakaway challenge, and in 2018, the award was a water-wise pocket park, and it was up to a 1,000 square feet. We've kind of grown with this pocket park a little bit with the help of the city and some others, and we really wanted to make sure that we could provide an opportunity for our residents and businesses to come to a place and see what water-efficient 
landscaping looked like. It could be beautiful. It could be functional. And there, there are many ways that we can help them do this. And we can save water collectively together. And the city of Westminster just went above and beyond. Um, their staff is fantastic. Their residents and their leadership are wonderful to work with. And so this uh, groundbreaking event was held on April 1st. We were very lucky to have the Wyland Foundation launch their National Mayor's Challenge here in Orange County. And I believe it's the first time in 11 years. Uh, so we got them this year and it couldn't be a more perfect setting with the, um, the groundbreaking of the pocket park. Right. And not only is the park going to demonstrate on, on vegetation, but also the components to help irrigate and what, uh, what could help save, uh, save water too. So that was pretty interesting. So I want to bring Steve Creech on, who's president of the Wyland Foundation. Tell us a little about what his organization does for our listeners and why the project of Mayor's Conservation Contest and the Pocket Park are very important uh, activities. Steve? Hey, good evening, Rob, and everybody here. Uh, we had a great event, like Tiffany said, uh, back at the beginning of April. And, uh, yeah, the Wild Foundation, as, as you know, Rob, we're all about how can we make a difference for our coasts and our waterways. And when we're talking about water, you know, there's several components to it. There's uh, conserving it so we have a, a, a safe, reliable supply of water, but there's also the other side of it, reducing uh, pollution and and polluted runoff that can affect the health of our local environment, our waterways. And uh, projects like what we're doing with the City of Westminster and Municipal Water District and Toro and everybody working together is finding these um, these access points, I suppose, for, for people to uh, not only not take water for granted, but to actively look for uh, strategies, I guess, that they can use to reduce their waste and and uh, use water in a sustainable fashion because I mean frankly we're we're dealing with uh, growing populations in Southern California I don't think we can deny that and uh, you know and and it's more of a challenge like your last uh, speaker uh, or your last guest was saying how do we how do we activate people and get them interested in you know uh, responding to the drought well you know, I, I think we uh, we're dealing with a little bit of drought fatigue from the last go around, but that doesn't mean the drought is uh, is not here, and it's not something we have to deal with. So these types of programs and strategies, like the National Mayor's Challenge for Water Conservation, the work that uh, Scott Miller is doing with the City of Westminster, and uh, all of us, uh, Tiffany and Modoc, you know, everybody has got us this singular mindset of how can we inspire people? How can we engage them? And how can we get them to to uh, not take water for granted and be a part of uh, the the conservation mindset that we all need here? Oh, absolutely. I, I want to uh, introduce the the mayor of uh, City of Westminster because his leadership helped with along with Scott. We'll get to Scott right after that. So, uh, Mayor Todd, welcome to the show. Yeah, I'm so honored to be uh, a part of the show and really. Uh, um, I'm really happy that uh, on April 1st, we had a really, uh, really nice and outstanding event at uh, Coronetta Park in the city of Westminster. So I really want to thank uh, our Municipal uh, Water District and uh, Water Foundation for a really excellent, outstanding partnership uh, with the city of 
Westminster for a really, uh, really nice mission. So I really, uh, really want to thank our city staff and our community. I'm really proud of uh, our community. So they, uh, so they really step up and uh, uh, taking an ownership role in uh, uh, saving water. I really appreciate, you know, this is a great opportunity for our city, for our residents, for our community to be a part. You know, yeah. you know to me, when I was there, it, it felt like family because everybody was all focused on doing the right thing and wanting to continue to do the right thing in the water. And that, and, and that's you know, that's part of your leadership and, and, and your uh, your city council uh, to making this happen. And we do appreciate that a lot. But we have another gentleman, uh, Scott Miller, who's the water superintendent. And Scott, you personally put a lot of your time and work and your staff. Uh, but uh, we always ask this question first, and I think it's appropriate. How did you ever decide to get into the water business? What what made you drive to that 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 position? Good evening, and uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, I, I actually uh, answer that question quite a bit. Um, and, and you know, everybody gets into different industries for the for for different reasons. Uh, I used to run heavy equipment when I was younger uh, and starting a family, and um, it's very economy driven. And I found myself not working very much and having responsibilities. So I, you know, I, I started thinking about different things that I could do. And uh, one thing that came to mind was uh, everybody needs water all the time. It's a job that if I do my job well, there will always be a job for me. Um, that's how it started. And uh, a couple of years in, I realized that this is one of the coolest things that I could be doing, um, not just for, you know, my security, but uh, to give back to the community and to make a difference. I mean, my whole life, all I wanted to do was make a difference. And this has provided that outlet for me. Well, you 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 have great leadership in what you do with you and your staff, and, and it's good. I want to bring Chris Davey in, uh, our co-host. Chris, uh, why don't you join in and uh, have a way. Chris? Oh, I guess we lost him. Chris, are you there? Oh, yeah, we can hear yeah, you now. Sorry. Here, yeah, I got mixed up with everybody. I don't think we've had this many people on uh, on the uh, Teams link before. It's kind of like so, a party. Hey, Rob, I remember the day you went you went down there to that Paco Park uh, event, met met those guys because you left me stuck at work that day, and I wanted to come and join you. You remember that? You I'll, I'll, I won't let you forget, buddy. So, okay. Tiffany, let me ask you a question because you said thirty eight million gallons uh, saved through um, through the mayor's challenge right so i got a couple of listeners here on the on the um you know the little write-in message board that we have they, they're asking you know, where does that fall is that good is that bad better than last year worse do you, do you have a sense of of um kind of where that falls tiffany oh my goodness 38 million gallons of water is a lot of water and this is just i mean let's be clear this is just from the pledges that people pledged to save water, uh, cutting their water use by turning off the water when they brush their teeth, um, being responsible with outdoor irrigation, fixing leaks, that sort of thing. But this park that we're building actually is going to save much, much more than that. And Scott has done the calculations on that. Scott, how much water is this park going to save? 
the turf that we're removing to replace with this conservation garden will be 23,000 gallons a year just for the 2,500 square feet that we're going to be replacing. Wow. And that's every year. Yeah, it, it not it's amazing. Not not only is that water saved every year, but what I love about this idea is that we can have our residents. We've really decided early on. All of us, when you say we're a family, we've really grown to that. I really believe that we're we're very collaborative. We're very uh, we all have a shared vision, and we came to the table right away saying we want to make sure that people can come to this park and do this at home because it can't just stop here at the at the park. We've talked about drought, we talk about limited water supplies and population growth. This is one of the ways that we're doing our part to grow the conservation mindset that Steve was talking about, to ensure that people have the tools and the education that they need to do this properly at home. And Tiffany, when you're talking about 38 million gallons of water, I mean, why don't we put this in a way that People can visualize it. So it takes about 660,000 gallons of water to fill an Olympic-sized swimming pool. So you can do the math on that, and people can really see that, you know, just by making small changes in their life and whether they're doing something like the, uh, you know, swapping out the vegetation in their garden for something that's a little more climate-friendly, fixing leaks, just being a little more conscious about their water conservation, you know, you're talking about vast amounts of water uh, that um, you know can be either used elsewhere, stored and saved, you know, for uh, you know serious drought conditions, and uh, and also it reduces stress on our infrastructure too when we're when we're conserving water. So um, that's one way we look at it at the foundation. So we uh, we give people the the Olympic swimming pool analogy, and then they they can kind of understand the scale of what they're doing with those small changes that they're making. True. And then, and we also uh, always try and consider what would a day without water look like to you? And we're not just talking oh, yeah. about waking up and, and uh, you know, not having water to brush your teeth or take a shower, but it continues. That's, you know, I heard earlier in, in the show, we're talking about fire pre- prevention and hygiene and manufacturing and food production. I mean, you can't look around you and not see something that um, water hasn't impacted or affected or made possible. Mr. Mayor, do you think the your constituents have have a good grasp now on on water water use efficiency and that they want to continue with that? They they accept that it's it's not like a uh, you're forcing them to do something they don't want to do, and you know the big government stepping down on the people. But do you think? Do you think they're all participants? Well, you know, when you, hear the, when you hear the word conserve, people think a little harder than use water more efficiently. I mean, it's a nice way to say it. But do you do you think the people, even though you guys won, do you see this as a, a good continuance going that everybody's grasped the idea and and they know it's the right thing to do? Yes, I mean, I have a good. Uh faith in uh, in our community in Westminster. So I believe, you know, every member in a the community they continue to participate in the uh saving water program. Uh I really want to thank Scott and the city staff for promoting and you know uh send out mailer email uh to the community. Uh to make sure that everyone in the city, the community, they 
know about the program, and I I can see that the community they really they really they really want to participate in this program. So I believe, you know, a lot of people in in my city they will they will love to participate in this program because I understand. Uh, I mean that this is a wreck opportunity for the community for other water agencies uh, to continue to promote awareness. Uh, uh, and you know everything we do here, we do it for uh, we do it for the future generation. So I really appreciate that uh, Wildland Foundation uh, initiated this excellent program. So I mean, like I continue, I continue to encourage the resident and the community to continue to participate in this program. This is an excellent, outstanding program. Great, Scott. To you, does the water uh, does your department uh, offer any rebates back to the customers for uh, use, using water more smartly? Yeah, um, <clears throat> Rob, we, we actually work with MODOC um, on this, and if you go on the city's website, there are several different um, items that you can purchase, and we will give you a rebate on them, everything from clothes washers to uh, irrigation systems, um, Sprinkler heads. Uh, there, there's there's quite a big list, um, and and now uh, a, a very successful program that we had during the last drought was uh, a turf replacement for artificial turf, um, where we were doing two dollars a square foot, and now it's up to three dollars a square foot that you will be re- reimbursed for removing live grass and either putting in turf or a combination of turf and drought tolerant landscape. Um, and it really helps the residents out. It's kind of that push that they need uh, because for the, the the nicer turf, it's not cheap, you know. Uh, but when you can get $3 back on every square foot, it becomes affordable and it makes a difference. It really does. <clears throat> um, Steve, um your organization does a lot of things besides the mayor's challenge. You do an art contest for water and other things. And how how do you promote more of of what your comp- your organization does besides the mayor's challenge? Well, you know we we have partnerships uh, with KCAL, KCBS. We, I mean, uh, getting people's attention is probably one of the strengths of the Wyland Foundation. I, I mean, we're we're led by. Uh, just this astonishing individual. Most people know Wyland, the muralist and conservationist for, you know, his work creating these giant murals around the world. And uh, these are seen by about a billion people a year. Uh, so we've always been on, on the creative side of, of engaging people. So, um, yeah, we, we do that in all sorts of interesting ways. One of the ways uh, a lot of people may or may not know is uh, we've got a traveling clean water mobile learning experience, and it's a uh, um, it's a thousand square foot double expandable tractor trailer, but essentially it's a science museum on wheels. And um, we've had a million kids go through this exhibit, and it goes all across uh, Southern California, all over the country, in fact. And um, it really cuts to the heart of uh, what we can do as individuals, whether we're kids or adults, uh, to uh, protect the integrity of our watersheds and manage water more wisely. And uh, in fact, this uh, this month we're doing a complete overhaul of the exhibit, so we're we're adding a, a 
completely state-of-the-art uh, uh, video um, uh, experience. And we have a, a theater on board that uh, holds about 40 kids. And uh, it's completely virtual. The, the students come in as a drop of water. They go through the water cycle. And they experience uh, uh, essentially what it's like to uh, um, fall as rain and uh, be recycled. So any of your listeners that are interested, they can check it out at winefoundation.org. But, uh, you know, that and, and the work that we're doing with, uh, with MODOC and the, uh, the conservation parks or the water-wise, water-efficient pocket parks, um, Mayor's Challenge, everything else, uh, we're just looking for, you know, different ways to connect with people because we know people have different interests, you know. Not everybody is going to be interested in water per se, but, uh, you know, through the combined efforts of all of us here, uh, you know, Toro's water efficiency efforts and MODOC's outreach and education efforts and certainly what uh, uh, Mayor Saw and uh, Scott are doing over in Westminster. I mean, these are the kind of partnerships where, you know, you can really uh, create leverage and affect and attract a lot of people, you know, initiatives. So that's kind of how hey, we do so things. Steve, Chris, yeah, Steve, Chris here. So there's a couple of things popping up on the water zone message board here. One of a couple of people asking is is the mobile uh, is the mobile uh, the theater you've got just for kids? And I can say I've been on it two or three times and uh, it's not just for kids. I mean, I know I guess it's where it's targeted, but adults can learn a ton. You know, absolutely. Uh, it's for everybody. And what we're doing now with the new technology is it's it's virtually a uh, a 240 degree surround experience. And what we're doing now is creating new m modules. So we'll we'll deal with different uh, issues that could be related to drought, could be related to urban runoff. But um, that's the great thing about the the type of work we do is. You know, instead of it being all about a brick and mortar stationary, you know, science museum, we go where the needs are and we can deal with the latest issues. So it's it's absolutely for everybody. Um, we take it to festivals and rock concerts and everything. Um, and people do find that once they're once they're in it, they they understand it. And uh, you know, the the analogy I've always used in the past, Chris, is that. Uh, you know, understanding the impacts of water, and Tiffany kind of alluded to this. Understanding it, it it's a like it's like peeling an onion because you think you understand, you know, the basics of it, but when you start getting into all the uh, how fundamental it is to our existence and our communities, um, it, it's very complex and it's it 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 cuts into issues of like economics and science and. Um, biodiversity and uh, you know it's really the ultimate cross-cutting curriculum right Tiff yeah you're you're absolutely right I mean the, the bottom line is ensuring that we understand what our impact is because we have one shot here uh, we're not gonna there's no planet B and uh, we're not flying there tomorrow so when we understand how we can make choices today that can save our resources for all that we need for life. I mean, the bottom line is water is life, right? If we can can do that and be aware of that, then we're going to have a long, healthy future. If we can't do that, <laughs> we're in trouble. Yeah. 
That's true. On, on um, Scott, uh, do, does your organization do uh, training with the public at all about uh, water education? Oh, <clears throat> absolutely. We uh, we're engaged in every event that the city holds. We have the Spring Festival and uh, we have fa- uh, Safety Day and Dia de Familia. Um, any anything that the the city does, we're actively engaged in. Um, in the last drought, we actually held several town hall meetings uh, with the communities. Uh, we got the neighborhood wa- neighborhood watch groups involved. Um, uh, so we started getting a lot of traction on that. And, you know, uh, Steve hit the nail on the head. It's, it's, it's finding what, pe- what people have a passion for. It's engaging in what, what's, what uh, piques their interest. Um, once you have the audience's attention, then you can, you can go through and, and educate them on things uh, that maybe they never thought of. Um, one, of the, one of the examples I always like to use is, you know, we'll get up in the morning and we'll check the weather to see if we need to take an, an umbrella, uh, maybe change our shoes, and leave for work earlier. But nobody checks the weather to see if they should shut off their irrigation or not. Um, and that thing's going to run whether you're there or not. And uh, believe it or not, you know, with, with all we know in California in the last route that we went through, we still see that. And it's not, it's, it's just simply that it slips their mind. And so we've done a lot to try and remind people the value of water, and Tiffany said it great. It's, you know, this is the beginning of life. Everything revolves around water, um, and until you don't have it, you don't realize what, you know, you don't realize how important in your life it is. Absolutely. Um, so it's a constant battle. Yeah. Well, we got about 20 seconds left because so we have to move move away for the NBC News Hour. but we'd love to thank uh, uh, Mayor uh, Ta. Thank you very much for the City of Westminster, Scott Miller. Water Superintendent of the City of Westminster, Tiffany Baca from uh, MODOC, and Mr. Steve, my good friend from over at the Wyland Foundation, Steve Creech. He's a great guy. So thank you very much, everybody. I appreciate it, and we love working with you guys. And uh, want to make that pocket park uh, something very proud in Orange County. So thank you guys very much for joining us. And uh, the most important thing that Chris and I tell our listeners every single week is please help to keep our planet blue. Thanks, everybody. Blue. Good night, everybody. Good night. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye.